Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, because there will be a world without us. Hello and welcome to Dear Hank and John. This is a no-cut <laughs> special. It's a no-cut ah. special, ladies and gentlemen. Uh. Hank, Hank and I just talked on the phone to each other <laughs> without noticing how much time it elapsed. And like, yep. like a high school couple falling in love, we talked for an hour and a half and the, the time just melted away. And so uh-huh. here we are. It's the beginning of 2022. We've got a hard out in 44 minutes and this is going to be an amazing episode of Dear Hank and John. Hank, do the intro. To Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it to you, John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, what yeah. do Attila the Hun and Winnie the Pooh have in common? What do they have in common, Hank? They have the same middle name. <laughs> That's actually, I, I enjoyed that. I don't know if I'm just kind of giddy from the excitement of trying to do a one-take uh, New Year's special or not. I love... I love that joke. I really like yeah. that joke. I Thanks. do. I think I like it so much because Attila the Hun and Winnie the Pooh really do have very little in common except for their middle name. <laughs> I, have, I bring that up, John, because one, apparently this week is it, one of the days is Winnie the Pooh Day. Oh. Which one is it? I forgot. I, I noticed it, but also because Winnie the Pooh this year is entering the public domain. Oh, yeah. And so yes. it's time yeah. for you to do whatever the heck you want with Winnie the Pooh. It's yours John, what now. Do you, what, do you, what do you want to do with Winnie the Pooh? I, I read somewhere that H.P. Lovecraft also entered the public domain and that it was high time oh, for, a, for a great <laughs> mashup, for a Winnie the Pooh Lovecraftian narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's actually my publisher, Dutton, is the mm -hmm. publisher for Winnie the Pooh. So, of course, this is a sad day. This is a sad day for them. Uh, I take it back. It's not fun at all. It's (laughs) terrible news. I'm so sorry for your loss. Your economic, purely economic loss. Right. Yeah. No, the benefit of society, but to the detriment of one privately held corporation. Uh, Hank, let's answer some questions from our listeners, beginning with this one. I thought we were going to talk about Winnie the Pooh for way longer than that. Well, we can if you want to. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of Winnie How many tentacles the is Winnie the Pooh going to have? <laughs> Wait, is Winnie the Pooh going to be a bad guy? I was kind of thinking that Winnie the Pooh is going to be a hero, <laughs> no, like living in a Cthulhu no, world. No, it's a hundred. No, no. Uh, Christopher Robin is the hero. Okay. And the Hundred Acre Wood is is Lovecraftian now. No. And so you've got oh, like an owl man. with no. 18 eyes. Come on. And he's like, he's like knows everything. No, but he's also the... kind of mean about it. <laughs> I want to yes and you. But isn't the isn't the Lovecraftian world coming in from the outside trying to get oh. into the Hundred Acre Wood and like then Tigger's defending it and Eeyore's like. Oh, I guess I'll have to kill another octopus today. (laughs) Killing makes me feel even more sad than I already did. But it's a violent (laughs) world here in the Hundred Acre Woods. 
All right, I'm in. You can, right. You've swayed me. You've convinced okay. me. There and you also, go. I want to point out that that was 100% worth it. What's the first question? We are, we're going hard today. Like, we came in hot. <laughs> Maybe we should talk for an hour and a half offline before we do every episode. This first question comes from Natalie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, why is it that on the inside of a spoon you are reflected upside down, but on the other side of a spoon your reflection is right side up? Sincerely, Natalie. Oh, Hank, as yeah. I understand it, this uh-huh. is about concave and convex mirrors, which yeah. continue to be impossible for my little brain to understand. Like every time I'm in a fun house, which admittedly it's been a while, but like every time I'm in one of those carnival settings and they they have the weird mirrors that make you look super skinny or super tall or, or super wavy yeah. or whatever, every uh-huh. single time I get in front of like a mirror that makes me look wavy. And I don't think like, how does that mirror work? I think, Phew. I just became wavy. <laughs> People do not understand how mirrors work. Like, I, I, it's very it's, weird. It's, it is. Well, and they so look like, a, like a picture of you, of your but they're world, not. but they're not. They're not. They're a little window into back, into back. What it's just photons go in straight lines and they bounce off of things in, in perpendicular direction. So it's a flat they sheet. They, they don't go in straight lines, they go in waves. <laughs> they, they act they go like in, they go in straight they go in lines. straight lines that are also wavy lines <laughs> so it, it only they go gets in straight harder lines the waves go in straight lines yes the waves go in well. straight lines and what a what a sentence that is to start off our crash course on physics <laughs> this i am definitely the right person to talk to i took optics as a section of my physics class in high yeah. school yeah, so, so i know ready. all about this so, yeah. so when it's a flat mirror mm-hmm. it's gonna bounce off 90 degrees but when boom, it's boom. a curve every little point on that curve yeah is gonna bounce off Yep. at a different in a different direction because they're they're all the mirrors are all at different angles to the photons that are coming straight in and if you draw the little map then you can see oh I see how it flips over my brain still doesn't understand it but I see all oh, the little thing that like crossed and now like the photons from the top are going are, are at the bottom once they get to my eyes and if you get close enough to a spoon I think you can actually make it flip back up over because you like get to the point where they're not crossed anymore it just looks distorted but the thing that gets me john is Mm -hmm. that it doesn't flip left to right yeah no that is weird and i'm like is that because it's not curvy enough is it like it what why yeah can you make a spoon where it flips left to right Mm. where you like raise your right hand and you and it goes up on the other side on the, the i don't know and everybody always talks about, well, this spoon is good at holding milk or this spoon is good for soup or whatever. And nobody ever talks about this spoon flips yeah. your right and your left. Right. Well, I think you could make a spoon that doesn't flip you. And I think you'd have to be like really far away to get flipped. Right. It'd just be bad, like worse at being a spoon, but better at not turning you upside down. All right. I think that's a good answer. This next question comes from Avery. We're on, we're speed running this thing, Hank. Dear John and Hank, I've recently gotten into listening listening to the podcast and it's got me thinking more about space. Me too, Avery. I think about space all the time. How weird is it that we're in a vast universe that is maybe infinite, but probably uh, also expanding? Uh, I've recently gotten into thinking about space. I was wondering how or if we know that the earth is straight up and down with the Northern Hemisphere on top and the Southern Hemisphere on the bottom. Avery, I am about to blow your mind. Are we just walking around upside down all the time? Is upside down even real? There you go. You're almost there. What is upside down? Like, does it change as the Earth moves? And if we do know, would it matter if the Earth was flipped the other way? Pumpkins and penguins, Avery, Avery, there is no up. There's no up. There's no down. There's, There's an out. There's there is. a down. There's no up, but there is a down. How is there a down? Well, it depends on your frame of reference. But well, like down is toward the center of the earth. Whereas up oh, no, is no, no, in no. every no, direction like, away from the center right, of the earth. It's not like the it's not like the southern hemisphere is below oh, no. the northern hemisphere because there is no up. No, and and weirdly, um, so before we get to this, John, we're going to talk about this question for the entire rest of the episode. We've done. We're going to do two questions. It we was can't. our first one in this. We can't. One. We can't. We got. We got some real. <laughs> we got some real quality questions coming okay. up. All right. Well, I'll try to get through it fast. But before we do, have I told you about my new way of visualizing an expanding universe? 
you have, and everybody has seen the TikTok. Actually, one of the questions is about your TikTok. So maybe oh, we maybe we should save it for then. Maybe we're going to save it. <laughs> this is the kind of thing, by the way, that usually we would cut. But we're in the we're in the no, no yeah, it's got to stay in the no in. cut zone right now. So here we go, <laughs> Hank. Yes. Forget about that. Just answer the question: uh-huh. Is there yeah. an up? Is the northern hemisphere above the southern hemisphere? So, so this this is one of the great coincidences that we don't that we don't notice because it is so um, it it worked. So it okay. could have been that we decided that the top of the map was east or west. And if we had, and in fact, many maps before we sort of standardized on north being the the the, the thing to put on the top, many maps did have east and west at the top. And if we had done that, it would have been very confusing when we noticed that the Earth uh, is in a solar system and it is rotating in a way where, like the the the, the plane of the solar system has a top and has a doesn't have a top and a bottom, but it has an orientation where yeah. there you you can pick a top and a bottom. But if we had picked east or west as the top of the map, we would have been like, oh, so this doesn't actually work. It would have but been we would have trouble. had to stick with it, and yeah. it would have been annoying. Yeah. It would have been annoying for everyone forever, but it was a 50-50 chance, and we got it right. Yeah. In the same way, by the way, that like uh, a 12-month calendar is annoying all the time. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to have some months have 31 days and other months have 28 days, and that's yeah. annoying, but we can't solve right. it. Because it was standardized before we totally understood what it all meant. Yeah. And like that, that I can forgive us for, but minutes, yeah. 60 oh, minu- minutes. Yeah. No, minutes, mi- minutes are another great example. But the point is that yeah. there is an orientation. But yeah, there's an orientation of the, of the s- solar system. It is not but accurate like, to say like it could just as easily be south is up as north. is. Oh, up. yeah. Oh, they yeah. are Ex- fr- from yes. space. They are the same. You can see south is up or you can see north is up if you're looking at Earth from the sun. Um, and and there is no special reason why north is up except for like the political geography realities of why maps came, why global maps came to be and who was drawing them. Yeah. And it affects how we imagine the planet. It affects how we imagine each other. Like yeah. we, no, we... in fact, I have I have written a book on this topic called Paper Towns, where I say <laughs> that uh, it is yeah. it is true that our maps uh, th- that the world shapes our maps. But it is also true that our maps shape the world. That's wow, John. Why would we go further than that? It's almost like you should like write professionally. Well, instead, I'm going to ask you this question about TikTok. From Annalise, dear John and Hank, how famous is Hank on TikTok? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. I, I would like seeing... someone to answer this question. This is for so me. good. Everything about this question is is a plus plus plus. I keep seeing random people I know commenting on how Hank is relevant now because of Gen Z and TikTok. <laughs> I love the idea that like Hank went through a long period of irrelevance, but oh. then, but now is relevant again, and that is. There's something really <sighs> brutal about putting it that way, but I, maybe that's maybe it's true. I don't use TikTok. God bless you, Annalise. Never change. Uh, I just follow the account on Twitter that reposts all of Hank's TikToks. Oh, so you nice. use Twitter. Yeah. So you're not it's not like you're enlightened <laughs> or anything. Can you quantify how famous Hank is on Twitter? Like, I, w- sorry, that would have been cut, but we're in a, we're in a no cut zone. Can you quantify how famous Hank is on TikTok? Does Cardi B have a TikTok? Is Hank more or less famous than Cardi B on TikTok? Or is it views that matter, not followers? I'm so confused. Tell the landlord I signed my name, Anne Elise. Um, Cardi B has more followers than me on TikTok. Yeah. But like not Not that that many more. more. (laughs) Not that many more at all, actually. I'm going to look now. Right now. I mean... I I have an astonishing number of followers considering that I yeah, don't considering you don't do any like I'm very jealous of the amount of work you've put into your followers. I I put in no work into having I, like I every other video I see on my for you page is from you and I'm just like god Hank makes a lot of TikToks. Hank it's has, very easy. It's so easy it, to make a TikTok. It, it's not it's not easy. It's extremely stressful and every so the the actual story <laughs> I don't think you know this Hank but so this yeah. is the actual story and this is something that I love that is pretty secret. I make a lot of TikToks. I make oh, like oh, well, make Project like, for Awesome Perk. Here we come. I make like two or three every week. I just wow. leave them up for like seven minutes, and then I'm like, Nah, oh. I'm not enjoying this experience. 
And then I and then I private <laughs> it. Yeah. And then, uh-huh. so I, I I have like a lot of TikToks. It's just that they're all they've all been privated because I let them get like a thousand views. And I'm like, nah, I don't like the vibe. Eh. I don't eh. I'm not enjoying this vibe. And there's something really like uh, wonderful about that. So you have six million something followers on TikTok, which is a lot. And Cardi B has 15.7 million. So Hank is about just over one third as famous on TikTok as Cardi B. And I think that's about right. Like you're definitely you're you're so big on TikTok that like regularly people say to me, your brother is very famous on TikTok or I love your brother's TikToks. And then I say, did you know I also have a million followers on TikTok? <laughs> yeah, it turns out that you it, there is a truth to the fact that like the number of followers doesn't matter as much as the like when it comes to like whatever whether a view not- a, a, notability. A video, yeah, a video gets yeah. out into the atmosphere. Yeah, and what yes, certainly. And, but also when it comes to like notability and recognizability, like more if you have like 800 videos that got a million views a piece that wasn't the same million people every time and so you right. you end up with a lot of people whereas if you get one yeah whereas if you get like you know a, have five videos that have a million views a piece and you sort of have the same size audience there are far more people will have seen the content or or have been exposed to you multiple times which is really sort of what yeah. starts to generate notability what what happened john this was actually very weird for me I don't know if I've talked about this in public before, but like during the pandemic, I started making TikToks a lot because I was sad and bored. Yeah. And uh, and it brought me joy. And then the pandemic sort of like, you know, like things started opening up back a little bit. And I realized that I had one, maybe I had just forgotten that I get recognized in public. But two, I just think it was happening a lot more. Yeah. Um, and that like like a fair percentage, like maybe half of the people who are recognizing me were recognizing me from TikTok. Right. And so like, yeah, I think it's it is it is substantial and it is weird. And it is. Well, the I have to um, say that the, the reason yeah. I, I delete these TikToks, I mean, there's a couple of reasons or the reason I private them. But one of the main reasons is that um, they start to like get uh, like views from outside our community. And I'm like, ah, yeah. nope, 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 nope. That's mm-hmm. that's that's scary. And I don't like it. And I don't want don't that. want that. <laughs> and I'm totally, you know, it, that's not to say that, like, it's bad to want. I think there are lots of good reasons to to want that, to want that, like, kind of audience. Like, I just right now in my life, I just don't want it. And that's OK, as just as it's OK to to want it. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like my TikTok strategy. But I have to say, I love and am very grateful for your TikTok strategy because I love watching your TikToks. I think that they are they're so good. And I can't believe that you make them in addition to doing everything else. I find it very easy to make a TikTok. And of course, Peyton uh, helps to make it all seamless and simple. Um, right. Who is my t- our TikTok assistant, though I don't know how often uh, you, yeah, you she, utilize she, her services. <laughs> not for the ones I delete after seven minutes, usually. Yeah. Only, for the, only for the ones I put an absurd amount of work into. I'll be yeah. like, I, I will text Peyton and say, Peyton, I have made a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I say it every time. I have made, I have made one of these ticky talkies. Yeah, and I was like, like it's, for a, it it's to... an event, you know. It's like yeah. uh, stop all the clocks. A TikTok uh, has been created. Yeah, I could definitely imagine spending a lot of time making a TikTok, and there are a couple I spent a, a substantial amount of time on, but mostly I make them quite quickly. It is, it is a platform that is designed for my style. Um, yeah, and that. Uh, yes, I feel I feel uh, both fortunate and trapped a little bit. Yeah, that's that very much that's very much how I felt about Tumblr in 2012 and 2013. I was like, this mm. is a place that was made for my way of expression. Um, mm-hmm. And then that that feeling changed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. John. And it hasn't. Uh, <laughs> interestingly, and perhaps not coincidentally, it hasn't come back. Like, yeah, uh, I don't yeah. think I will. I don't think I will ever feel that way again. And that's OK, too. All right. Mm-hmm. This next question, it comes from Nico. Uh, no, it comes from Emily, who writes, uh, Dear John and Hank, I vaguely remember from science class. I'm doing a lot of science questions, Hank, because I only have 8% power. And so you're going to have to ask the last three or four questions. <laughs> okay. I vaguely remember from science class that there is always the same amount of stuff in the world because matter cannot be created or destroyed. But when I watched the Perseverance rover land on Mars, I realized that all the stuff that it's made from came from Earth and will never come back. 
we must also gain stuff when like meteors come to Earth. But in the last 50 years, have we made a net loss or a net gain of stuff? What about in the last thousand years? My name is so common, it will become my generation's Karen Emily. Well, I'm so glad that you asked, John, because Deboki did a bunch of research to answer to actually answer this question, which is a great question. question. It's a great yeah. question. Are is Earth a net gainer of stuff mm-hmm. or a net exporter of stuff? Yeah. What is so our, the first? Th- what the, is our <laughs> trade deficit with the universe? The first thing is that uh, of matter can neither be created nor destroyed, uh, but that is that's a universe rule, not an Earth rule. So right, matter yeah. can definitely co- like arrive at and leave Earth, and yes, a Mars rover is part of that, but it is uh, a tiny, tiny piece of what leaves Earth, uh, which is mostly um, gases that are yeah. escaping. A lot so, of like a lot so, of atmospheres. Yeah, atmosphere gets up there and it gets ionized and it gets blown away by the solar wind. Uh, this is where helium goes. This is why there's no helium in our atmosphere or very little helium in the atmosphere, despite the fact that it's always being emitted by the Earth from radioactive breakdown because it's lighter than the atmosphere. It ends up going up high up and, then there, it gets, and then it gets ionized and gets thrown off into the. Yeah. yeah. So about sixteen hundred tons of helium escapes every year. Um, wow. And uh, but the the most of it is actually hydrogen. We lose about three kilograms of hydrogen every second. That's ninety five thousand tons a year. Wow. So wow. that's a that's how that's the majority of how we lose All right, mass. So we are and and it should be added that just because I like to bring it back to death and apocalypse, that like it, eventually it's true that matter is neither created nor destroyed, but like eventually the earth will be subsumed inside of the sun. And so like the yeah. earth will be at a net loss of one hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, that eventually that that will be a different mechanism that is not currently uh, operating. Right, but on I'm us. just saying, like, eventually the the overall story is going to be that Earth loses mass. Yeah, well, by not existing anymore. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The same way the, that I'm, we're not sure. We're actually not sure that the sun's going to get bigger than oh, the Earth's orbit. Right. It's like kind of on the line. So oh. regardless, yeah, um, a lot of Earth will be baked off in that process, and it will lose a lot of mass. Uh, including like all of the living parts. <laughs> what a what an exciting party that's going to be. I'm really glad that none of us or any of our descendants will be here to see it. But I did not uh, say that the Earth loses mass in total because it also gains mass. Yeah, from like so, meteors coming in. It's mostly space dust. So yep. about 40,000 tons of space dust no. falls, falls to the planet every How? year. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say a, a day. And I was like, no. dang. <laughs> Jeez. Am I inhaling it? Is it in my nose? <laughs> Do I need I an N95 the... all the time? Is that why, Is that I, got why the I feel flu? this way? Did I get the flu from breathing in space dust? That reminds me when the Haley's Comet came uh, to the, the U.S. in the early 20th centuries and, uh, and, and people bought all these uh, comet umbrellas because it was so close that the Earth actually passed through the tail of Haley's Comet. And they knew it was going to be that mm-hmm. close and people were really, really freaked out. And so there was all these mm-hmm. like anti-comet uh, medicines that you could take to like have the gases not affect you. And people had these umbrellas that they were used when they were outside to try to like keep the gases from the comet away. And of course, like it turns out that that's not a huge health risk or indeed a health risk of any kind. So No, hey, but it is good to freak out about whatever. Yeah, um, that's yeah. what it... I mentioned that mostly to remind all of us that we have always freaked out about whatever. Hank. Yes. Are we a net exporter or a net net importer of stuff? We're losing weight, John. We're We're losing losing about about 50,000 tons a year. I knew it. I knew it. We are. Things are slowly falling apart. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew that we had less of a planet than I, we did when I was born. I have to say, if you found out that the Earth was getting bigger, you'd also be worried about it. I would you be, know, like, be like, this is we're terrible. Gonna, the gravity is going to be oh, so way too much. It's going to way too much. We're going to be stuck to the ground. My, we're not going to be able to play basketball that's anymore. Right. Uh, my bone density won't be nearly able to deal with this. People's <laughs> vertical leap will go way down. Nobody will ever break any of LeBron James's records. I all you're right i would have been totally worried about all of that this is going to completely change you're right but we are losing enough weight that it doesn't matter much right 
Uh, the Earth is 6.5 billion trillion tons. Okay. Um, and we lose 50,000 tons a year. So you're going to have to go ahead and just assume that your brain cannot uh, conceive <laughs> of the tininess of the fraction of the mass we lose every year. Okay, that's helpful. Um, <laughs> that reminds me of a conversation I recently had with Alice where she was like, you know, um, the oceans are going to boil and like all of life is going to die. And I was like, yeah, but we won't. We won't be here. It's like a couple billion years away. And like, she was like, why won't we be here? And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like there's a lot of reasons why, why, why we probably won't be here, Alice. Like, you know, it's, we've been around for 250,000 years. <laughs> you're, you're postulating that this is the first like yeah. one, one billionth of human history or whatever. And she was like, uh, that's not comforting. <laughs> <laughs> So instead of knowing when it's going to happen, it could happen at any time. Exactly, exactly. It could happen today or tomorrow, but for sure I know it won't happen in a billion years. That's way too long. (laughs) Never have a chance to make it that far. You don't have to worry about that at all. And Uh, she's like, you've introduced a lot of new worries. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to just worrying about a billion (laughs) years from now. That was way easier. Oren doesn't know about the species-wide existential dread yet, which is uh, a, a, uh. a perk of uh, having a five-year-old. But he is, because Cameo uh, died yeah. this year, he is yeah. aware of death. Yeah. And um, and he he has figured out that he is going to die, but he has not figured mm. out that we are going to die. Because oh, I think he sees himself more like Cameo than he is like us. Yeah. Because yeah. like he's like small and taken care of by us, yeah. And yeah. so like so he he clearly thinks that he's going to die before us, which of course mm. big 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 hopes for that not to be the case, yeah. Um, but uh, but he is often asking like what will happen to us after he dies, and I'm just like this is not how it's going to go, buddy. Right, not statistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's. Th- Talking about death with kids is very hard, and this is a no-cut special, Hank. So I don't want to drift <laughs> too far into <laughs> to stuff where we might where we might have cut to it. cut because yeah. we do that a lot of times. When <laughs> Hank and I talk talking about, about serious stuff, we need to talk about to process exactly. together. It's usually yeah. like seventeen takes, and then eventually we're like, you know what, Tuna, just <sighs> cut it. So instead of doing all of that, I'm just going to go to the next question while I still have four okay. percent power. This right. is a this is a high stakes game over here. I mean, it, what is he's, that, what is he's sweating. He's sweating over there. Brand new fancy pants MacBook suddenly draining battery like it's going out of style. This question comes from Charlotte. And she writes, Dear John and Hank, my name is Charlotte, and I was wondering if there's a reason you guys have amazing eyelashes. I've been noticing because Not most you of the guys. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. Me and you? Oh, wait. No. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was you guys. Dang it. That's so disappointing. You, th- you, just th- you thought that Charlotte oh. just really loved our eyelashes? Oh, I, I mean, I was riding a high the likes of which you've never seen, Hank. I was <laughs> I was on a unicorn flying over a rainbow, and then I've just come crashing back to Earth. My name is Charlotte, <laughs> and I was wondering if there's a reason that guys in general have amazing eyelashes. <laughs> I've been noticing that most of the guys I know, not Hank and John, other guys, have lashes that can I can only achieve with mascara. My own boyfriend has better eyelashes than me. Is this genetics or just a weird coincidence? Thank you, and I love the podcast. Apparently not enough to love our eyelashes, Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, we're included. Oh, uh, I don't feel like I, don't I know. was included. I, haven't I felt like of... I was called yeah. out for my beautiful eyelashes. And then it's the equivalent of like if you're in a meeting and somebody looks at you and they're like, you have the most beautiful eyes. And then you say thank you. And then they say, no, not you. <laughs> the person right behind you. Yeah. that's Is that a thing that happens to you in meetings? No, I, 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 I got halfway through that story and I was like, why did I set this at a meeting instead of at a bar where it would be like yeah. vastly more appropriate, but still a little <laughs> weird? <I'm> actually... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This no cut special, no cut special. Is, really, is really stressing me out. Hank, is there a reason? Is, is, is this real or is this just a coincidence? It's it's real. Oh. Um, guys have guys have longer eyelashes on average. Wow. Than, uh, yeah. Uh, but the the question of why I don't think has been researched deeply. But like I, I will point out, Good. the guys are hair, hairier in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like true. maybe it's just that. Maybe it's that. Like it's just like we got more hairs. Yeah. 
I think it's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think it's funny that we think so much about um, like the differences in humans because, and there are a lot of differences, (laughs) but I just, I, I, I've just been looking at like pictures of orangutans lately and being like, I wonder if they like think like, oh man, that one's so tall. Like (laughs) this one's so little and like that one has amazing eyelashes and like, oh my God, look at that, that guy's, you know, beautiful brown eyes. And, and, and we're like, uh, yeah, I mean, they're all just orangutans. uh, (laughs) I've ever told you about the time when I found a squirrel. Uh, with Catherine when I was in college and, no. and, and it was like a baby squirrel and it yeah. had been a- abandoned. Oh, no. And we were like, we need to get the squirrel to someplace where someone can take care of it. Yeah. And we took the squirrel to the squirrel rehab person. Sure. Who was a woman who lived in a in, in their house, in her house. She just had a house and she okay. rehabbed squirrels there and took us inside and there was like some cages and, you know, and she was like, I just, you know, I rehab them and then I, I let them go. And I was like, where? And she's like, here. And I was like, oh, doesn't like create a little bit of an open population of squirrels right here. And she's like, yes, but I feed them. So it's okay. Mm. And you want to see them. And and I was like, ah, I could, I guess I'd want to see the squirrels. I see a lot of them, but you know, they're your squirrels. So please show me. She goes outside with like a bag of food and like a rain. It's like, it's like when you, if you are to open a sewer and the cockroaches, like that's like that level of squirrels just sort of showering down where it was almost creepy. Like it was like, uh, to like Lovecraftian squirrel situation. Ooh, and that's, then a nice, that's a nice addition. We got to work with yeah. that, but go on, finish the story. Then, uh, and then she starts to talk about the squirrels as individuals. And I was oh, like, how do yeah. you, but how do you know? Yeah. It's like his face. Right. By appearance. Yeah. By looking at his face yeah. because his face is his face. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I Tesla, mean, Tesla I, could do the same thing with pigeons. And I, I can't sure. even do it with people. <laughs> like every time we're watching a TV show and I'm like, is that the brother? And Sarah's like, it's the husband. Oh my God. How does this keep happening? Which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Hank's Squirrel Lady. <laughs> Hank's Squirrel Lady. She, she recognizes them by the faces. Yeah, and she and I'm I hope and I believe that she took great care of that squirrel. Sure. This podcast is also brought to you by spoons that don't actually flip you upside down. They're just flat. It makes it very hard to have the soup, but you will be normal way up. Yeah. Uh, today's podcast is also, of course, brought to you by Earth's Weight Loss. Earth's Weight Loss, now using Noom. Oh, my God. <laughs> and finally, this podcast is brought, and also this podcast is brought, we're going to make Tuna edit it, because I said finally. No, we don't have to, Hank. Just no. keep going. Just okay. plow through. And, and also Believe this podcast yourself. is brought to you by John's Eyelashes, which oh. are grand. Luxur- <laughs> They're like carpets. They're like... They're like the they're like the uh, the the they're like the tentacles of a sarlacc. I remember uh, slightly off topic and not to name drop. I try hard not to do that. But one time I when Cara Delevingne was in the Paper Towns movie, I made a Question Tuesday video with her and somebody was like, um, can John can Cara review your eyelashes or something? And uh-huh. Cara, like very kindly and generously, that's she she is a really kind person. Um, like ran her fingers through my eyelashes, uh, my, my eyebrows, my eyebrows, oh, and, eyebrows. Said, and said, um, sorry, it's the no, it's, it's no cut special. Like I can't read, I can't read. Just imagining Cara Delevingne running yeah. her fingers through her eyelashes. Is yeah. Favorite, like how did she use two fingers? Moment. But, uh, but <laughs> she, she, she went through my, my eyebrows uh-huh. and she was like, they're a little thin, <laughs> like not unkindly, <laughs> just observationally. Uh, yeah. That's her, that's part and of her job. True. And it's yeah, true. She has to. We also have Understand. a project for awesome message to okay. read yes. um, from Puria to Christine. My wife suffers from schizophrenia and nevertheless uses much of her limited energy caring about others. A small example, while achieving top grades, the stress routinely caused her to faint. After waking up, she wouldn't let me ask anything before I told her how I was doing. My hmm. wife, the angel. You, Hank and John, have for 10 years been the friends she never had, albeit deserves she says thank Aww. you. That is so that is really so lovely. kind. Yeah, that is really lovely. That made my day, and I've actually had a pretty good day. So, thank you very very much. <laughs> thank you both for listening, um, and for 
yeah, feeling that closeness to us. That means a lot to us. This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. Hank, you've got John, to ask the next question because yep. I'm out of battery, man. It's over. I figured. I'm just I staring figured you into were. the abyss now. <laughs> you got right to the end of the project for awesome message. I did, and then just blink. Yep. Perfectly done, John. This next question comes from Sue, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, what's the nearest planet I could burn down?" <laughs> <laughs> like with a match, like with this. Yeah. Like, what's the yeah. nearest planet would, that's one match love... away? Sue says, I would love to visit a planet and light it with a match and watch it disappear wow. in a ball wow. of flames. Wow. Thanks. Wow. A, a literal example of somebody who just wants to see a world burn. I just want to watch a world burn. <laughs> I mean, doesn't this capture something really deep about humans where it's like, could we? Could we burn down a world with a single match? Because I'm just going to tell you right now, if we can, we are gonna. (laughs) That's going to be a very difficult urge to resist. I have great news for worlds and bad news for Sue. Oh, wow. No worlds, huh? Well, I, as, I mean, I could be wrong about this. I'm just basing this on sort of how I understand chemistry to work, which is yeah. like, so so burning um, is a is a thing that happens because there are there are chemicals that are complicated and uh, and they they have lower energy states where they are simpler. So, for example, wood is just a big mess of long carbon chains that uh, were formed by by the plant combining. Uh, oxygen and carbon dioxide and water together to create the these big long carbon chains. And in order to do that, they had to like use energy. That's the whole thing that plants do. Right. So uh so the the process of taking that wood back and turning it back into carbon dioxide and water is the process of burning. Now you can also the, but the thing is you can't really build a plant out of these complicated uh high energy state molecules because they break down on their own over time anyway if they can. So if they're so in order for there to be a uh, a fire in the way that we imagine them to be. The the easiest way to it would be like a planet is made out of hydrogen and uh and, and hydrogen burns, right? Right. Except that if the hydrogen um was there along with an oxidizer, so along with oxygen, it would it would be it would have it would have already undergone that chemical reaction through a slower process mm. as it was forming, and so mm. you'd just have the water, not the hydrogen and oxygen, sitting mm. side by side because those chemicals are less stable than water is. Well, so okay, but imagine a, imagine a planet, and I, I maybe this isn't possible, but imagine a planet that is only made out of hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Okay, just a yep. hydrogen planet. Yep. If I walk up to that planet. And I mm-hmm. light a match. It yep. should 
burn to the ground, right? No. No. There's no oxygen. What is it oh, what is it turning into? Great point. Great point. What is the chemical reaction? That's so true. you need so, oxygen for fires to work. I forgot about that. That's why you that's why you blow on the fire. That's why you blow on the fire. That's why they bring whoa. liquid oxygen into space when they, they need to have a rocket work in whoa, space. Whoa, whoa. Does that mean that it's not possible? Okay, so I want to take you to Star Wars, Hank, which is a documentary uh-huh. that was made about a civilization <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far they, away. Yeah, they were having a Star War. They had a war in the stars. I don't want to get too specific. It was, a, it, was this, had, it, was star, it was a Stars War. They had multiple Star Wars. That's why it's called okay. Star Wars because they had more than one war. Okay. The, 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 it's like when saying, I look back on it, Star Wars, the name of Star Wars yeah. is the worst thing about Star Wars. <laughs> like if, if you say Star Wars to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, the right. Six Flags attraction. Like it just sounds very silly. <laughs> it's true. The <laughs> But it, I mean, this speaks to like the fact that, you know, the guy who created Star Wars was like obsessed with like the Jungian subconscious and Joseph Campbell's, yeah. you know, ideas <laughs> around myths and everything. Yeah, it. obviously, yeah. obviously it worked out okay. I'm not I'm not here to criticize <laughs> George Lucas's ability to understand what kind of stories work for people. Yeah. But there's this documentary called Star Wars that's about uh, this this stuff that happened a long time ago. It, it, but in the doc, there is a mm-hmm. uh, there's a giant weapon. It's like right. almost planet size itself that uses a laser to blow up a uh-huh. planet. Yeah, is that, that's okay. That's possible. Yeah, well, I don't. Think, I don't know almost, that it would. To me, that's close to burning. Right, but that's that's adding energy, um, and then and then uh, the energy. So I don't think that there would be like a giant fireball in right. the way that maybe Star Wars has. I'm trying to picture. I can't picture it either. Alderaan I don't think, blowing I don't, up. So there's I, no. So like, there's no fireball. Yeah. But so I don't want so spoilers, our, everybody. <laughs> but our 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 listener could build a laser that would achieve the same thing, but without. But it wouldn't be a kind of burning experience. So whatever pyromania, yeah. Like I could imagine a situation. You could blow a planet up. Like I don't know if you could blow a planet. Like I don't know. If I we, know. Like, I, you I know. Harness- I couldn't, Hank. I can't even light a fire like a regular fire with <laughs> with dry wood. <laughs> Okay, I can't. I can't even do wood stuff. But <laughs> yes, but but if you got like a like a moon sized object and got it going like four percent the speed of light, and yeah. you hit the Earth with it, like yeah. you'd blow up a planet. Like it wouldn't be. It wouldn't. It wouldn't burn down, but it would blow up. Mm. Well, I'll tell Alice about that one. <laughs> I'll tell her. I'll tell her this afternoon. She'll yeah. be excited. She'll be excited to hear that I've discovered a new thing to worry about. Yeah. All right, I think we've answered the oh. question. Hank, we got to do one more question before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I think we have time. Yes. We do. Um, Hurry. This question is from Scott, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm curious what matching funds actually mean. No. Do people with match with, with means donate more or less depending on what small money donations come in? I'm asking yeah. this uh, maybe poorly, but basically, say there's $10,000 in one-to-one matching funds and a project gener- generates $8,000 in donations. What happens to the extra 2000 Why not just donate the full $10,000? Looking forward to the P for A, Scott. So I think that, I mean, matching funds mostly serve as an incentive to get people who can donate less money to feel that their money is going further. And also like it incentivizes them to donate in the first place to like take advantage of the match. Yeah. I, I can't speak for what everyone does when the match yeah. isn't maxed out. Um, several things can happen. Several things can happen. What we do is we give the money anyway because <laughs> we it would yeah. feel weird not to, and because we've yeah. generally made it. We've but, we've allocated it, yeah. right? But I, I I know that there are instances of people being like, I give the matching fund, and if it's matched, it's matched, and if it's not, it's not. And mm-hmm. and then know, I that, move that that money over to some other matching fund and, and encourage donations at that organization or at a later later fundraiser at this or I organization, just, or I just keep it. Yeah, so or I keep think, it, I guess. Yeah. yeah, so so I think I think there are a variety of responses to it, but in general, like I I, I think because there was research that matching funds work. Uh, in general, yeah. there has been like a huge rush to matching funds over the last five years, and so you get emails that are like, "If you donate a dollar right now, it'll count as seven dollars," and 
not to brag, Hank and I were sort of on the forefront of that <laughs> like, <laughs> back in the early days of the Project for Awesome. Uh-huh. But that's what it comes down to. It comes down to people who are in a position to make large gifts, making those large gifts to encourage the people who are in a position to make smaller gifts to make smaller gifts. And mm-hmm. in that sense, I, I think it's good. And, and certainly with our project, uh, you know, I, I some listeners to Dear Hank and John won't know about this, but we have a Nerdfighteria has a has a really large long term project to build a, a and staff and support a stronger healthcare system in Sierra Leone's Kono district, and that has raised or is on track to raise over twenty six million dollars over five years, and matching has been a really important part of how we've gotten to that number because every dollar that gets donated monthly at pih.org slash Hank and John gets matched by people who've come together to match that money. And it it has worked. And so I, I, I don't know if it works in general, but it has certainly worked well, at increasing also, fundraising. It us. also helps us get money from the the larger dollar donors yes. where it's yes. like you can say to them, hey, yes. you if you give us this amount of money, it's going to it like it's almost like we're saying to them, your donation will be matched by these people. And by, so you are you're donors. able to yeah. to to multiply your uh, your impact. So everybody gets to feel like they're doing a thing together and uh, gets to feel like they're affecting the world even more than they otherwise would be, which, yeah. um, I mean, it's true. Like it actually does work. So yeah, I kind of can't question it. Yeah. So between, between the two groups, everybody ends up donating more, which yeah. is good. Hey, yes. let's get yes. to the all important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I will go first. Wimbledon have been on a terrible run. We lost our third round mm. FA Cup game against fifth tier Borum Wood. Uh, I have to say, Hank, in other news, one of the teams that won their third round FA Cup game is a team name that is so absurd, so totally absurd that you will not even believe it. The name of the team that won its third round FA Cup tie mm-hmm. is Kidderminster Harriers. <laughs> Kidderminster Harriers? Kidderminster. You know, the and, village of Kidderminster. And the Harriers, which is either like a small hawk or else like a yeah. person who's annoying. <laughs> 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 which is just is magical. I was like, uh, is a Harrier a person who makes a hat? And so I looked it up and no, it's just like a person who harries you, you know, yeah. a Harrier. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Wimbledon did not win. We lost to Borum Wood, which also sounds like a made-up place name. <laughs> and uh, one cool thing, Phil Dunster, who's an AFC Wimbledon fan, in part because he was a fan of my FIFA series when he was a kid, who now plays Jamie Tart on Ted Lasso, was at the game with Jason Sudeikis, who plays Ted Lasso. So Ted Lasso attended an AFC Wimbledon game. That's pretty cool. <laughs> we got our butts kicked by a fifth-tier team, though. We did not look Ooh. good. And in our previous Oof. game against Oxford United, we looked even worse. Like, it was the worst I've seen us look under head coach Mark Robinson so for the last year. So it's really worrying. And tomorrow, as we're recording this, we play our first game this season against the franchise currently plying its trade in Milton Keynes. Uh. So... That uh, is, I just, I mean, I really hope we perform well in that game because, you know, it's a game that shouldn't exist. And I think most Wimbledon fans will be boycotting it because it's in Milton Keynes and who wants to go there Mm -hmm. to attend that game for that occasion. Mm -hmm. Yep. But uh, it's still an important game to the fan base. Like there's no getting around the fact that we want to beat those guys. um, And, you know, we think we deserve to beat them. So. We'll see how it goes. I'm really nervous going into tomorrow, though. So that's the news from AFC Wimbledon. What's the news from Mars? Or do we well, get news from the Space Telescope? Well, I, I could do a little bit of both. So the, the the Webb Space Telescope is doing fantastic. I, I don't know if you've been following this. Oh, I I've been you have, following John. it every yeah. single every single sigh of relief, all 472 of them. It's been incredible. We've, don't have, so I, I, I have a scale of my size of relief. I think we're in the the uh, approaching the mid four four hundreds of 472. So we're getting quite close. There are a number of things that, you know, still need to be tested, but like what the things that could still go wrong, unless like 
there are still th- some things that yeah can, don't, don't never and, count and, your chickens and, and and the mission but like a, a lot of the things that like are my final size of relief are things that like if they went wrong it would be a less good telescope but it would still be the best telescope we have right uh, certainly uh infrared telescope that we have so um by by a very wide margin so like if one mirror didn't work that would they like the it would still be a great telescope um but like the mirrors focus themselves and so they're, right now they're going through and testing all 18 mirrors to make sure that they're fo- focusing themselves correctly mm. um and uh and it's great it's a hundred percent deployed and it is now in the process of being commissioned so it is in its final configuration and then commissioning is like you got to wait for it to like get to the right temperature um mm-hmm. because it's designed to operate at very low temperatures mm-hmm. you have to uh calibrate all the instruments you have to boot up some stuff you have to uh make sure that all like you got to get all the mirrors in their perfect configuration etc so all that stuff takes a long time so we will get our first picture in about 5 months and that and like all of the hard parts are done this is it, it is it went amazingly well and was on, like pretty much on schedule the entire time. A couple of moments where they were like, let's just make sure we know what's going on. But like a bunch of people made it happen. Feel very good about it in Mars. Actual Mars news. I also have to mention because this is like real Mars news. So the Perseverance rover has put a pause on its rock sampling efforts mm. because of mm. a rock that was in the wrong place, basically. So there's some stuff that uh, is not where it's supposed to be, uh, and that is affecting its ability to sort of move all of the parts that shuttle uh, the stuff that it drills out of the ground around mm-hmm. the rover to do chemical analysis on it. Mm-hmm. Now, there the, are te- basically little pebbles, and they probably fell out of a sample tube into the carousel where they are now blocking the drill bit from being able to sit oh, nicely no. inside the carousel spot. I think that, so like... Th- there is an easy fix for this, which is you just like, but like we want to be careful about it because yeah. we want the rocks to go somewhere where we know where they're going right. rather than just like shake them off and like be like, I don't know where they ended up. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they, 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 there was some anticipation that something like this could happen. They're assessing the data and they're figuring out how to remove them correctly so that the rover can continue doing its all of its science. Um, so there's, of course, like there's lots of science it can do even if this thing breaks, but um, it is an important part of the mission. So the thought is that this will almost definitely be fixed um, and uh, and we will resume rock sampling soon. And this is basically like the underlying idea here is that we take these rocks, we put them in a, you know, we put them in a sampler and then like, and then we're able to do chemical analysis to understand what they're made up of. Right. Yes. Which helps us to understand what Mars is made up of, which helps us to understand like where the water might have gone or when it might have gone and lots of other things about the nature of Mars. Correct. That's, I mean... I hope they get that fixed soon. I can't imagine how hard it is. There, yeah, there like, are other ways it, that we can that we do I, that. Like, I find it has pretty a... difficult to like get all the rocks out of my lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're there with the yeah, lawnmower. exactly. I, I'm screaming yeah. at it. I don't know what else I can do other than lecture it and say like, you shouldn't be picking up rocks in the first place. You're a lawnmower. You should be mowing lawns. Thank you for making a podcast with me. We have to go. We got to go. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our incredible, special, one-of-a-kind, no-cut special, never doing it again, unless we need to. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. The music you're hearing now is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't don't forget forget to be awesome. awesome.